Thanks for tuning in to the Boiler Express podcast. Join us each week as we dive into all things Purdue sports. You'll hear in-depth analysis of our previous and upcoming games, as well as interviews with players and people involved in the Purdue sports fandom. Be sure to check us out on Twitter and YouTube for our live stream shows as well. Oh, we don't have an intro, do we? <laughs> I, I forgot we did to it ask again. Frank. I was like, uh, do we have the intro video before we come in? So we're already uh, off to a great, great start here. So, yeah, as you all can see, we're down a couple of members. Um, Damon's fi- dealing with some family issues, so our thoughts and prayers are with him tonight. Um, Chris is still out at, uh, where was it again, Dylan? The uh, NARC convention. Yeah, uh, I thought he was doing on-site reporting. Well, uh, oh, he did. He did send in a video, didn't he? None yeah, of us have yeah. that ready, do we? Yeah. So what? What's what news? So we'll just jump right into some news. What's what news lately got you fired up, Dylan? What? What's? Uh, I mean, dude, there's been like two or three. Are we talking about the Big Ten championship moving to Vegas. How yes. ridiculous that would be! Moving to Vegas. It's the Big Ten. It's the Midwest. It's supposed to be in Indianapolis, not Vegas. How many? <sighs> Got me all fired up. How many people, like how many Purdue people? I'm I'm sure there's actually maybe a good amount of Purdue alums that live out there, but not saying Purdue makes the Big Ten championship every year. But like how many? I don't know. I just don't see a lot of fan bases traveling that far to Vegas for the Big Ten championship. I don't know. Maybe it's just me. You wouldn't you wouldn't go to Vegas if Purdue went to I mean I would, right? But but like I'm an idiot, right? But I don't know. Uh, no, I think there's enough degenerates. I think that would go to that game. Yeah, yeah, I think I think Indianapolis is the perfect spot. It's it's like the middle ground. I mean, I guess now that we have UCLA, yeah, one, yeah now it's not anymore. I guess, but yeah, uh, one fourth of our conference is now on the West Coast. Yeah, but they're the new guys. Make them travel. You know, make them do the hike. Make them I do mean, the work. I agree. I think you know they said it was going to be a rotational basis, and I, I agree with that. Like, I feel like you got to have. If one fourth of the conference is out there, then one out of every four years, you probably got to have the conference championship game. That, out okay, so that I could live with. As long as the other three are like Chicago, Indy, Detroit, I'm good with that. If they go back and forth, that's fine. But if it's like permanent Vegas, I, oh, I'd be now that Aiden O'Connell owns, you know, uh, Allegiant Stadium, but that's, that's great too. But I mean, you know, now that it's owned by a Boilermaker, maybe it's not that bad the more I think about it. <laughs> Well, I think attendance is going to be strictly dependent on the team's situation. Like if you are, if you're an Ohio State fan and the Big Ten championship is what sits between you and the playoffs, like you're going to, you're going to go to that game. But if it's, I don't want to say that like, okay, I'm going to say it. So like Purdue last season, I'm not sure that Purdue gets a huge turnout in Vegas. Like no one gave Purdue a snowball's chance to win that game. Uh, realistically, Dylan, you went, um, I strongly considered going, uh, ended up not going, not because of geographic distance, just because I honestly wasn't uh, too, I wasn't too keen on us winning. I just didn't think that was going to happen. Oh, I knew we weren't going to win, but I at least had to see it once in my lifetime. (laughs) And I mean, and when I, when I sit and think about the fact that I've gone to probably a hundred Purdue football games in my life, you know, I don't, it's like, I don't need to prove anything to anybody. So I'm, I'm definitely not going out to Vegas for that game. Um, but it, you know, it, it just, I just think it depends on the teams playing and, you know, the but fan they gave base out and really cool towels. Those are, those are some pretty okay. sweet. And towels. then I had a lady, a few rows behind me that was just grabbing them seat by seat. Just like, yeah. Okay. Like, oh. Well, let's, let's also not forget that the big 
money around this decision to expand the conference was around TV rights and TV oh, yeah. deals. So I don't think they're really too worried about ticket sales. I think they're more worried about how many people are tuning in to watch the game. So I don't think if if they don't sell out a Vegas Big Ten championship game, they're going to be too worried about it. They might not go there very often again, but I don't think they're going to stress over it. I mean, an Allegiant Stadium is awesome. I, I saw there, saw it for the first time when I was in Vegas last year, and it looks like something out of Star Wars. Like they have a they have a huge video board that you can see from the highway, and I don't know how many wrecks it's caused so far, but it's got to be at least a couple. Because I mean, it's like you just it's off to your left if you're coming into town. I think I've only been there once. You can't walk there from the strip. I tried. I got lost. Maybe you can, and I'm too stupid to figure out how. But uh, but no, Allegiant Stadium itself is rad. Like it's it's awesome. And then we had a video from Chris, of course, who's out there right now. But we forgot to upload it, so that's on us. But thanks, Chris, for your work that that isn't being showed. Do either of you remember when the Big Ten basketball tournament was in? I think it was Maryland, right? New York City, Madison Square Garden. New York City. Okay. Oh yeah, because I remember thinking like it's basically a home game for Maryland. Um, which you know when it's in Indianapolis, it's kind of a home game for Purdue. But if I recall, almost no one went. Um, Yeah. You know, because you think about Indianapolis, you know, it's a, you know, a six hour drive from Iowa City. It's yeah, four ish hours from uh, Michigan State. It's about five from Ann Arbor. Uh, it's just three hours from Ohio State. Like it's just a good central location. When they had it on the East Coast, no one went. I thought it was the funniest thing every I've been to the Big Ten uh, tournament several times. And they always have like right in the middle near the stadium uh, street signs that point in the direction of every school and the distance when they had it in New York city, they showed that on TV and it was like every school West, like they were all <laughs> pointing the same direction. It's like, I'm not sure whose idea that was, but that, that wasn't really a smart one. I'm a big Lucas oil stadium fan. I love that place. It's so nice. And I granted, I come from closer to Cincinnati where we have Paul Brown stadium or Paycor stadium, whatever it's called now. And the outside from what you guys see on TV looks crazy cool. The inside looks like a prison. So, I mean, it doesn't take much for me to to really like, oh, this stadium's nice because I'm used to Paul Brown Stadium. That's kind of a, I don't want to call it dumb. I but. fundamentally disagree with playing football inside. I just, I don't know why. Of course you would. You know yeah. why, because you're a Steelers fan. That's why. <laughs> okay, fine. <laughs> I am going to see the Steelers play uh, in Lucas Oil Stadium in December. And I guarantee in December, Indianapolis, I will be very happy that I'm inside. <laughs> yeah, I can fundamentally it. disagree with it, but also enjoy it at the same Clip time. Clip this, and then we'll we'll bring that back when, when that game comes around. I'm very interested. Uh, that's interesting take from Frank, especially when you're – I feel like you're kind of a purist, like you're an, a sports purist. Like you would, you would prefer – the most neutral environment possible so that the only factors in who wins the game is the performance of the athletes. So I'm surprised that you are for outdoor football because that's, that's the biggest reason I'm against outdoor football in bad weather situations. Cause I feel like then you're taking away from who the best team really is in a neutral environment. Are you, you saying know, like that was over Ross? It, and I'm a Cowboys fan. So of course that's kind of my take because Ooh. what's one of the biggest games in Cowboys history is the ice bowl right up at green Bay. When, all of a sudden, in one of the coolest environments ever, the um, I guess the mechanism that keep kept the field warm failed. Bro. So it turned into this big slop heap. And the Cowboys were winning and doing great. And then all of a sudden it turns into this slop heap, mud bowl, like, you know, big pile of a, a football game. And all of a sudden now we lose. And so it's like, okay, so you basically shifted the game in the direction to a team that best deals with the elements instead of who's actually best at the sport. So what you're saying is we need to build a roof over Ross 8. 
I mean, that was in one of the surveys, I feel like, one of the recent surveys, and they asked fans what they'd like to see in Ross Aid. So. Hey, will the grass be ready? I think it will be. It's looking good. It's looking really good. I uh, saw that picture today. It looked like it had been doctored, like maybe some Instagram filters had been added to it. <laughs> um, but the grass looked very green, and the sky looked very, very vibrant. They said it took 33 semi-loads to bring that field in. 33 semi a little agricultural information for everybody. So Ooh. sod takes between 10 and 14 days to seed or to take root. I'm sorry, not to seed, to take root. And we're about, what, 18 days, 17 days away from the opener. So I, th- I think we'll be good because I would lean towards our agricultural department getting closer to that 10 number instead of the 14. And then we're talking about it being ready a week before the game even's played. So that, I think was we're so, good. that segment was so Midwest. I loved it. <laughs> I envision, and I don't know why I envision this, and this definitely is not going to happen at all. But I just picture the guys doing like the high knees, choppy feet, like pregame <laughs> warm up, and just like a, like the side, like it's like a rug out from underneath them, just like slides bunches up. Oh, Back man. in the day, I interned for an arena football team. It was, it was pretty messed up. Yeah, it wasn't like professional. It was, but it wasn't. And uh, somehow they we the year before I wasn't with the team, but they had like one full carpeted turf in this arena called hair arena in troutwood ohio rest in peace a tornado hit it and then they finally tore it down anyway uh the year i worked for the team one of my first jobs as an unpaid intern was duct taping like squares of turf together so these guys could like play football in this arena and guys would like rip up the turf and duct tape would go everywhere and it was that turf and like a sheet of like i think it was cork and then ice from the hockey team that played there so I, God knows how many concussions happened during these things. It was so, it was so unprofessional. But it just that reminds me of duct taping small slices of turf together with green duct tape, and it just it looked hilarious. That sounds extremely dangerous. Was there a Big Ten championship game a few years back that had? Yeah, like they had to stop the game for like fifteen minutes to fix the big fold. That guy went to Purdue. He did. He went to Purdue, and the entire stadium erupted in applause as he fixed the end zone. It was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it was like everyone was clapping for him. Like, come on, man, you got it. Like, yeah. It was- and hearing Gus Johnson break that down was awesome. Yeah. He was, you could tell, dude, that had to be so straight. You know, I don't, uh, maybe he didn't know. Maybe they're hoping, he was hoping they went to commercial break, but they have a full on camera. Probably, I don't know, millions of people watch the Big Ten Championship. I don't know. Okay. And then he's just stuffing this thing. But yeah, you know, those rubber pellets that they put in the turf, uh, the Colts, at least the last time I was at Lucas Oil during a Colts game, sell a little little bottles of those pellets for like 20 bucks in the gift shop Mm -hmm. because of course they do yep well uh you mentioned this earlier before we went live russ but um you know a former purdue player uh made it kind of a splash this week in the nfl uh should we talk about that for a minute kind of a big deal sure i had um i was gonna work it in on one of these games but we can do it now so aiden o'connell uh had probably the best if maybe the second best uh, rookie debut in the preseason. You know, granted it's preseason and some of these guys like Stroud and Young only played like one series, so they had like three pass attempts or whatever. But, um, you know, AOC played a pretty good chunk of that game, ended up going 15 of 18 for um, I think 140, yeah, 141 yards and a touchdown. And his three incompletions, two of them were actually drops. So his adjusted completion percentage was 94.4%. So he got a lot of praise, um, not just from Purdue-based um, accounts on X or, or elsewhere in, in social media, but the Raiders were giving him a lot of love. 
Josh McDaniels has been talking about big time all preseason, even you know during training camp. Um, and then there's a lot of national sites too that are they're breaking down all these rookie QB performances and they're bringing up O'Connell as well. So uh, yeah, there's there's a lot of hype around him possibly being a guy that could start you know you know five six games maybe in halfway through the season this year. Well, and so. you know we, Jimmy G's never really played a full healthy season either. Um, so, you know, the chances of him, you know, the chances of him seeing the field are, are, are pretty high. And uh, for anyone who doesn't know, adjusted completion percentage is um, per- completion percentage adjusted for wide receiver drops. So if you think about the quarterback dropping back and he hits the receiver in his hands and the receiver drops the ball, the quarterback still gets credit as being a completed pass. So that means 92% of his passes were on target and the ones that weren't caught were the result of the receiver and not the the pass. Uh, which is which is pretty crazy, pretty crazy to think about. Absolutely. So you guys want to get into some of these games, some of these matchups? Let's do it. So um, we we upped it to three uh, last week since we missed a week, um, but I think we have just two games left after this week. Well, four games because of the Big Ten Championship game and the bowl game, but we can't really break down those opponents yet. So um, yet. the next opponent we had to break down was Nebraska. So – at this point, we're seven games into the season. Uh, our last game, uh, which there's another mini announcement as well. So our last game would have been Ohio State on the 14th, which was announced will be at noon. Unfortunately, um, it'll be it'll be airing on Fox. So that kind of hurts our chances. We don't get the night Ross Aid game against Ohio State. No, it also means I got to leave at like 6 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Okay. We got a little dedication as a proof fan there. I'm so sorry for you. Stay um, in the night at Chris's house. That's it. He there doesn't know yet, but I am. maybe by then we'll have bought the pod West Lafayette house. That we yeah, guys, all... if you start listening more, we can afford to buy a house on like Northwestern or somewhere close. Absolutely. And that way, you know, you guys don't have to worry about us making these trips from Louisville and Dayton and, you know, all these different places. Yep. Yep. So, uh, so the next game, so we, we played the Ohio State game on the 14th. We have a week off and then we get back to action on the 28th of October. Uh, road game at Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, the team site has actually shown, I guess, maybe there's some certain scheduling rules or conflicts. And so we kind of know that it's either going to be a noon, 3.30 p.m. or 4 p.m. kickoff uh, at Lincoln uh, on the 28th. So, um, again, it's following our bye week. Nebraska last year finished 4-8, 3-6 uh, and six in conference, 6th uh, in the West. Uh, Purdue won a 43-37 shootout at ross Aid last year. Um, that was Mockaby's best game of the season, um, 178 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Charlie Jones and TJ Sheffield both had a pair of touchdown catches. Um, O'Connell was 35 for 54 for 391 yards and four touchdowns. So kind of just an offensive shootout. Um, this is one of those things I've actually been warning some of the people down here, Frank, in our area um, that are Louisville fans that – they're all pumped about how talented the defense is and how he brought his defensive staff down there. And I, I remind them that we didn't play a lot of defense, that uh, we had a lot of different defensive coordinators um, and there was a lot of shootouts. There's a lot of games that if we had just closed them out with a defensive stop, we would have, you know, he Brown would have had an even better record at Purdue. But, um, but yeah, so that was last year's game. Um, as far as this year's Nebraska team, the biggest addition it even, is not even a player. Um, it's Matt Rule, their new head coach. Um, Trivia question for you all. Do you guys know his alma mater? Alma mater. I feel like it's got to be in the Midwest. No, it's, um, well, maybe. It's it's a Big Ten school. 
He looks like he looks like. See, I I would have oh, guessed. I know. I would have guessed he would have gone to like some like small Midwest Mac school, like like Western Michigan or Toledo. Frank, you no. said you know. I do know. I do know. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let Dylan guess though. No, it's a big. It, it's it's a Big Ten school. It's, it's a Big Ten school. Too. Matt Rule. So that's like half, you know, half of half of all uh, right. college football. Traditional Big Ten school. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. As of the '90s. Okay, that's making it even easier, Russ. Wisconsin. <laughs> Penn State. Penn State. Oh, yeah. oh the yeah. shit. Yeah, so he played linebacker. You, you, you Penn gave State. that to me. Um, I still got it wrong. As far as his head coaching record, um, he started his first head coaching job was at Temple. Um, he went 28 and 23 in four seasons there um, before well, getting the Baylor job. What's up? Oh, I just, I just want to, I think it's interesting to point out that like he inherited a really bad team. Um, you know, his first season at Temple, they were two and 10. And then, you know, by the time he was done, they were a 10 and three team. They had a 10 and four and 10 and three back-to-back seasons in 2015, 2016. So he did a really good job of turning that program around. Yep. I was, I was getting there. I was going to tie oh, sorry. that in. Okay. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah, no, you're good. You're good. So I did actually have in parentheses, he was two and 10 in his first year. Uh, but then, yeah, his last two seasons, um, had, I think two back-to-back double digit win seasons. Um, but then he got the, the Baylor job, um, was there for three years. His overall record was just 19 and 20. Uh, but there he went one 11 his first year. Um, and then they turned it around and finished second, in the big 12 his last year there, I think won 10 or 11 games. Um, and then he left for the NFL, um, tried his hand in, in the pro, um, was the Carolina Panthers head coach and was fired last year, um, after starting one and four, um, in what was his third season as head coach there. Um, went just five and eleven and five and twelve in his first two seasons there. So the reason I kind of bring that up, um, and you you kind of alluded to that, Frank, was he's not exactly inheriting a full cabinet here at Nebraska either. You know, so like you said, ranking him as the tenth head coach in the Big Ten is hard to justify. Because if you're saying he's a good coach because he can turn a program around, then he should be much higher than 10. But if you're basing it off of what his results might actually be this year. I don't, I don't see them making a bowl game this year. I don't see them, you know, they've got a lot of new pieces. He does, doesn't exactly have a recruiting class that he's brought in. He's, he's going to have to turn that around. And he has a track record of kind of tearing it down to the nubs his first year and then building the program. So I don't get the hype. So this is so, and, and you're right that there is a lot of hype around this Nebraska program, mostly from Nebraska fans are like, you know, they're saying they should be ranked and whatnot. Well, um, that's shocking. Well, so, there's actually our big banter poll that came out. They received three votes. Some it was some ghost vote. I think it was like maybe a a night drop ballot or something because I looked through all the other ballots that were submitted by all the other podcasts and nobody voted Nebraska. So, but somehow they showed up on the poll. I don't know. But. Well, that's uh that's interesting. But you know, looking at looking at what they did in the transfer portal, you know, they brought in uh you know a four star tackle from Georgia, four star tight end from Georgia. Uh, four-star defensive end from Georgia. I mean, just those those three alone are you know going to have immediate impact. They brought in Jeff Sims from Georgia Tech, Georgia likely Tech, the yeah. starting likely the starting quarterback. He's a guy who's you know we, we we can get into the numbers if we want. He's not a great passer. Uh, he's more of a he's more of a use his feet type of guy. I think he's like NFL passer rating it hasn't been above like seventy five in any of his three seasons. He's played a lot of football though. You know they bring in a four-star cornerback from Florida. Um, so, I mean, they, they, they've done a lot. They bring in a four-star linebacker from Florida. They've done a lot in the transfer portal. I just, I don't know. I, I, I don't know. There, there's like every, 
seemingly every college football team is just a big pile of I don't know. There are so many guys that, that have left, so many guys that have come in. They're under a brand new coach. We don't know what their system is going to look like. And honestly, I just think Matt Rule is kind of a weirdo. I don't know. He's just yep. a weird, <laughs> weird dude. No offense to the Nebraska people. He's just kind of a weird guy. No, no offense to no offense to the Nebraska people. Him and PJ Fleck are like right there at weirdness. Hill Harbaugh's in there too. You talk about weird coaches, and he's he's now in in that level of weirdness. Jim Harbaugh's weird. Matt Rule is weird. PJ Fleck is borderline scary. Not not in like not in like I'm an intimidated by you way, but like you. He's not just scary. He's elite scary. Yeah. Yeah, like drink the Kool-Aid, join the cult, scary. Yeah. Like Scientology, scary. Like it, it gets really weird. If you wear a shirt and tie under a quarter zip, buddy, let me figure it out. What are we doing? Gosh. So there, there's, yeah, there's, there's just a lot of, uh, a lot of unknowns about this Nebraska program. But you're right. You know, uh, Matt Rule does have a track record of not doing really well in his first season. You know, under the as, as a head coach. Um, will that, will that continue? I don't know. Um, but you know, the, and I mean, even, you know, even the faces of the program have changed. Like I said, we brought, they brought in, uh, or what I say his name was. So Casey, Tom, Casey Thompson left, um, went to Florida Atlantic and they brought in Jeff Sims from Georgia tech. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was the first freshman to start first true freshman to start at Georgia tech since 2003. Um, so he did, uh, which Russ, you're nodding is if you knew mm-hmm. that. And I do believe that you knew that. Um, but like he only played seven games last year. I think he had a foot injury that kind of cost him the season. Yeah. He hasn't, he has, that's his big issue. That's kind of what I put there too, is he hasn't stayed healthy too. Like, yeah, he's not a dominant passer of the ball. He's, he's more of a dual threat guy, but you know, what goes with that dual threat ability is getting, getting hurt. Cause you're going to take more hits. You're going to be a little more riskier as a passer, um, and put your body out there a little bit more. So yeah, you know, he's, he's got to stay healthy for them to be good this year. And so in, in the seven games that he played last year, uh, Georgia Tech, he had 405 rushing yards, um, and only 137 of those 405 yards were scramble yards. Um, so he is a guy who's shown that he can scramble and make plays, but the majority of his his rushing came from design rushes. Um, so I think he's a he's a guy who maybe, uh, and again, not to offend any Nebraska people, yeah, he maybe struggles as a pocket passer, so he uses his feet to kind of open up the passing game a little bit. I'll just be really curious to see uh, to see how the how everything fits together. You know, they had a had a really uh, competent running back last year and Anthony Grant. Um, you know, how do how did the two of them, uh, you know, kind of coexist? Uh, Casey Thompson was a guy who used his feet, maybe not as much. Um, but it just, yeah, it just we could say that about every team we're going to play. There's just a lot of questions to be answered. Yeah. Another big loss for them on the offensive side was was Trey Palmer. You know, he, he's pretty much the only reason it was a ball game last year with us. You know, if it wasn't for him, we probably double them up on the scoreboard. But um, for whatever reason, we just decided to not guard him even after big play after big play, just continue to let him tear us up. Yeah, and that's why, uh, you know, when uh, Louisville fans are extremely happy about getting Ron English, it was like, like you said, go watch that game. But Dylan, it, Dylan, I think I think that was the first time we had you on our podcast before you became a member. You were talking about that game. Oh, you were yeah. talking about how um, – how the, the person you were with was like, oh, Purdue's up 17 in the third quarter. Like the game's going to be, the game's over. And you're like, oh, you don't, <laughs> no, you don't know. Not. Yeah. You ain't seen nothing. <laughs> it is not over. It's actually, all, don't, yeah. That way, if you've been around Purdue sports enough, you know, no matter how big the lead, no matter how much time is left on the clock, you don't celebrate until the clock hits zeros. I mean, you, you can't celebrate before that. Yep. 
Yep. So some of the other returners that uh, Nebraska has, uh, Marcus Washington was their second leading receiver last year, so he's likely going to be their number one or at least one of their bigger contributors um, in the passing game. Had 31 catches for 471 yards and a touchdown last year. Um, again, you know, they relied heavily on Trey Palmer, um, and it was just a big gap after that. Um, Gabe Irvin, he's a redshirt sophomore, is probably their projected starting running back, but he also just had 94 yards on 20 carries for the season. So, again, they were pretty heavily heavily reliant on their, their RB1 last year. Um, and then they're defensively, uh, Luke Reimer, um, he's a fifth-year uh, senior linebacker. He's their biggest returning producer, at least. Um, I don't know much about his playmaking play abilities, but um, he does have 242 career tackles. Um, 195 of them came in the last two seasons combined, so um, he's he's obviously played a bigger role for them the last couple of years. Um, but that's that's really all I had on them. What do you guys What do you guys think about the game? What's your confidence level? I think at Nebraska, new head coach, new system. I man, I mean, I this is almost it's such a hard question to answer, and I feel like I could answer it a lot more accurately after like week two. Um, but at, at this point, um, at this point with our new defense and there, there are lots of changes on offense. Uh, I'm going to predict a Purdue. It's going to be a close game. Purdue three point win. Boilers by a billion. You know how I there roll. There we go. There we go. <laughs> no preparation. No. Dylan nothing. boilers by a billion. Coon. Boilers by a billion every time. I don't care who we're playing. Sure, Alabama. Yeah. Boilers by a billion. There you go. Yeah, I, I, um, I like that, Frank. I kind of, uh, feel the same way. It's a, it's going to be a, a game where we're probably favored by, you know, five points, three points, uh, but it's still a Big Ten road game, um, and. Not just Big Ten road game, but Lincoln is a is a tough place to uh, to play. So, um, yeah, I, I can see us kind of eking a game out here. We'd have to definitely earn it, um, kind of regardless of where both teams are, probably. So, yeah, I feel the same way. Interesting, interesting take there. So Purdue Purdue wins it in the trenches. Yeah, that's assuming that's what that's what he means by up front. Yep. Yep. Yeah, but yeah, that's um, yeah, I'm. Looking at, you know, you brought up Luke Reimer. I had to look at, uh, you know, some of his numbers. He had a great season last year uh, and a really versatile guy. So he he rushed a lot, dropped into coverage a lot. Um, it, it's it's uh, it's scary to think about him him coming back for uh, for his fifth year. That's hey, uh, my, my guy CJ Poppin is in the, in the in the comments. Oh, I got Poppin's pub sticker right there. Look at that. You can't ever really see it because it's always in back of me. But shout out to uh, shout out to CJ Poppin. There you go. Well, and while we're while we're shouting out, I think it's a good time to talk about uh, our sponsor, Cincy Cincy Blitzboards. Um, Dylan, I don't know, I know you've uh, you're the recipient now or the proud owner of a Cincy Blitzboard. Yeah, I know. I need to hang it up behind me, and I haven't done that yet. That's on that's on me. Slacker. Wow. But yeah, fantastic game. You can bring it to tailgates. You can use it family cookouts. You can uh, set it on your kitchen table if you want to get want to get crazy or wild with it. Um, yeah, it's a really fun game. Um, we're, we're super stoked to be playing it at our tailgates at our trip to Virginia tech this season. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun, that fantastic people to work with. That board's going to see a lot of games this year. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure it won't get too rowdy or competitive at all. Yeah. That's, oh no, uh, it will. Yeah. No, we're going to kill <laughs> each other. Probably going to beat each other up. You know, yeah, I doubt it. Lucky. There he is. There's CJ Poppin. Poppin's pop legend himself. I have his koozie somewhere. I got to start using that. Great guy, great guy, hockey goalie extraordinaire. 
the guys like better than Jonathan Quick or trying to name other hockey goalies. <laughs> oh, look, look who showed up. Oh, look at that. Hey. Wow. With uh, with the very nice compliments, Damon. Thank you so much. He's probably yeah. not watching now. I doubt he is. For, the, for those of you listening <laughs> who aren't able to visually see our host who normally is uh, hosting this for us, just just called us losers uh, in the chat. So, yeah. Hey, so dude, you're I'm losers then, Damon. How's that make you feel? Yeah. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> so, uh, so we're, 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 um, we're feeling like f- basically a 50 50 game. Purdue kind of ekes out a win on the road. Uh, another bull prediction Jack Ansel has the best, like the longest punt of his career up through that point. I'm going to predict that. Uh, yeah. Just my random prediction. But uh, who, do, who do we have after that, Russ? So then we uh, stay on the road. Um, we go to the big house, Ann big Arbor, house. Michigan, November 4th for the rematch of the Big Ten championship game last year. So Michigan, uh, obviously very hyped this year, um, finished 13-1 and last year, uh, 9-0 and in the Big Ten, um, first in the East, and uh, uh, as I mentioned, uh, knocked us off in the Big Ten championship game. Um, the final score was 43-23, but uh, it's not really indicative how how close that game really was. Um, we got within, you know, well, halftime was 14-13. Um, and then early in the fourth quarter, we kicked a field goal that made it 28-19. to So, you know, we, we stayed competitive. They got a couple late touchdowns and kind of, kind of won it going away. Um, and Michigan just, you know, showed they had, you know, the elite playmakers and they had the depth. They had a lot of guys that went in the NFL. Um, they went on to the college football playoff, um, lost to TCU um, in the Fiesta Bowl, um, 51 to 45. Um, basically just got behind in that game and, and dug too, be, too big, deep of a hole. Uh, they were a big second half team last year. Um, you know, so you almost had to get a bigger lead. So that's one of the things I felt about the Big Ten championship game last year was, you know, we, we were close, but we needed to have a lead, I felt like, um, and try to hold them off because they, they were just too good in the second half last year, especially the fourth quarter. Um, well, we, had, we had a lot of, if I remember, I think it was at least four trips to the red zone that didn't result in any points. Yeah, I kept kicking um, field goals. Yep. Which, yep. Uh, you know, I I understand Brahms' mentality there. Like, hey, you're on the big, you're on the big stage. You're playing against Michigan. Like, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta put points up, and and it just, it just didn't work out. But more of a, more of a competitive game than what the score would indicate for sure. Yeah, I mean, if when we pull within nineteen to twenty eight, and one play goes our way. And we take something to the house. All of a sudden, now we're talking about a you know what two point three point game mm-hmm. um, late in the fourth quarter. So um, the big storyline for them offensively last year was their run game. Um, Blake Corm, Donovan Edwards, um, probably the best one two punch at running back going into this year in the country, not just the conference. Um, Corum ran for fourteen hundred and sixty three yards. Um, he's projected to be a first round pick in the NFL draft, which is saying a lot for the running back position in the NFL right now, that's, you know, it's obviously very devalued. Um, there's a lot of coverage on that. Um, if you're much in the NFL, um, and how those players, uh, kind of banded together and they even had a conference about the franchise tag and how running backs are played and how they're devalued in the NFL. So for a guy to be projected as first round pick obviously shows how elite of a talent he is. Um, but then, you know, coming off the bench or, you know, coming in to spell him as Donovan Edwards, who he added another another 991 yards last year, um, averaged over seven yards a carry. Um, and that's not their dual threat offense. You know, J.J. McCarthy came in, took over for Cade McNamara early in the season, and he's looking like that star quarterback that Harbaugh has been, you know, trying to groom and trying to grow for their program. 
Um, so, you know, you stop the run game and you're still, you know, you're still in the hole with their passing game. So you've definitely got to be sound across the board on defense to, to try to slow them down. Uh, the good news is, um, you know, I believe Illinois played pretty well against them last year defensively. So, um, you know, it, there, there is some hope that uh, maybe, you know, Coach Walters has figured them out a little bit on defense and we can have a shot if, if Card can light up the scoreboard. So uh, in the Ohio podcast, they said Michigan's <laughs> O-line is no joke. I yeah, for, for anyone who's not watching, the uh, Ohio podcast just uh, uh, posted a pretty pretty funny comment. Michigan's O-line is no joke. They're nasty like Hoosier brew. I can tell that, Eric. For anyone who doesn't know, um, you know Hoosier brew is a, uh, a beer. I think it was announced today. Uh, that IU is now it's brewed uh, for IU football. They're going to be serving it at IU football games. Again, they just love to copy everything we do. We've had boiler gold and boiler black for what five years now. This will be the yeah. fifth year, I think. Um, and uh, I mean, as Dylan said, you you have to drink something in order if you're going to go to a uh, an IU football game. But I will say, boiler gold and boiler black, while they're not fantastic, they did get people in. I mean, to go to the games. Oh so, yeah. Um, yeah. So I understand the uh, the reasoning for it. So. And we have uh, the Jim Harbaugh FU tour, that being the X factor. Mm. It's actually a really good point, uh, especially with all the uh, the controversy surrounding him lately. Um, I think I think it's I mean to call Blake Corum a good running back. It, I mean, just doesn't doesn't quite sell it enough, in my opinion. To to look at some of his numbers from last season: one thousand four hundred sixty three yards at, at six yards per carry. I mean, that's that's crazy with that kind of volume to have six yards per carry, uh, 248 yards, one fumble. I mean, that's, he, he takes care of the ball 3.3 yards after contact. That's, that's just unheard of. But I think the most impressive thing, 41% breakaway percentage. What that means is the percentage of runs, which yielded a breakaway, which is a a yard of 50 or a run of 15 or more yards. So 41% of his carries resulted in a 15 plus yard gain. For someone who had 248 carries, like that's absolutely absurd. He's the number one, um, number one rated quarterback on P or uh, halfback on PFF last season. Pro Football Focus, um, you know, he is a potentially generational talent in my opinion. And like you said, Russ, he's you know projected first round pick in an era where running backs are, uh, you know, as you said, devalued. I, I I think what we're seeing is a transition in in the game where we're seeing a lot of teams going to to backs instead of one primary back and maybe that's why what's kind of lending itself to that a little bit but yeah yeah he's uh he's it's scary to think about him him coming back yeah and and not to get too much into pro football talk um but a lot of that too is teams don't want to sink money into the running back position because you play two three four guys so those uh you know these elite running backs that want that big money teams are going, hey, look at the last Super Bowl winners. You know, Kansas City did not, you know, Isaiah Pacheco was their leading rusher, right? Late round or undrafted rookie, I believe. Um, you know, before that, the Bucks with Leonard Fournette, Rashad White. You know, the Rams, came Akers was kind of highly heralded, but, you know, they had a kind of a who's who of, of running back crew that that, that kind of got it done for them. So, yeah, there's no there's no elite running backs really helping a championship in the, in the NFL right now, so. Uh, I think the biggest returners of these producers are their linebackers. Uh, a couple of their linebackers, Junior Colson and Michael Barrett, um, will anchor their defense. Um, the the only question mark might be their secondary, just because there's, you know, they don't have a lot of returning 
production. Um, there's kind of question marks on who's going to be filling out each position. They do have a, a pretty hard hit in safety, I believe. I can't remember his name now. But, um, you know, their, their defense, you know, obviously TCU showed that their defensive scheme, at the very least, if you get a high-powered offense that's clicking on all cylinders, can you know, you can put up points and get competitive with them. So um, I don't give us a, a huge chance, but we'll know, kind of like the Nebraska game, we'll know at this point what we're working with on offense. And if we've got one of the top offenses in the Big Ten, I think it gives us a puncher's chance. Um, if not, I mean, they're, they're a really talented ball club, so. You know me normally, my boilers by a billion, but Michigan's pretty good. <laughs> so I, I don't know. I don't know that one. I can't. I can't for sure say boilers by a billion there, but uh, boilers by a few. We'll, we'll do it that way. Maybe. Hopefully. Boilers to cover the spread. Got there it. we yeah. go. There we go. Like <laughs> what do you think, Frank? Boy, this one's really hard. Um, you know, so I so I will be um, going to the big house for this one. Um, you know, I'm so I'll be excited to go to the big house. Um, I've heard you know it's a monument to college football and it's a place you have to go. Um, you know, I've also heard that it's highly overrated. Um, so I'll make that judgment call myself when I get to see it. Um, but I think that um, yeah, yeah, I don't. I I think this one gets a little ugly uh, in in Michigan's favor, honestly. Yeah, Mike's. I can't even I can't remember how you say that. Mike San Ristol, that uh, high podcast. That's the that's the defender I was thinking of. So, yeah, enough yeah. Ohio State compliments, please. Jeez, <laughs> God, we're not. No, enough, enough praising Ohio State. I don't. I think it's because we sort of got started talking about Michigan, and so maybe that that stirred up the Ohio State crowd yeah, there. Michigan you know? with an M, yeah. Eric. Michigan. So just just because M. we're getting all the love from the Ohio podcast, uh, I will say I love uh, those guys. Purdue, Purdue by fourteen. Purdue goes into the big house and pulls off the upset. There you go, the revenge tour. That's that's the Harbaugh fu tour. That's the it's we're yeah. saying fu to Harbaugh for knocking us out of the Big Ten championship game last tour. year. Yeah. Tour, tour, tour. Yeah, how do you all say that? Uh, I I say tour. I I kind of go back. I'm like a tour. I'm like kind of happy medium, like tour tower. I don't know. Tower. You know us folks in Ohio State, we can't say nothing. Tower tower. There he is again. Us Ohio <laughs> folk, we can't talk right. Y'all know that. <laughs> so um so yeah so November fourth, Michigan. Uh, next week, November eleventh, uh, we return home after a couple games on the road to play uh, the Minnesota Bankers. I mean, uh, Gophers, uh, ah, Golden Gophers, um, <laughs> the P.J. Fleck-led boat rowers. Alleged um, it's going to be – it is going to be at noon. Um, and just fair warning now for Purdue fans, it's on the Peacock Network. So don't, you know, don't freak out that morning of if you don't have the coverage. You know, find a friend that's got it, find a bar that's got it, or, or make sure you're set up with that because that will be on on the Peacock Network. Russ, are you uh, – are you – do you know what the peacock is? Do you know that's a streaming website? You stumbled in your words there a little I bit, did, and that I made did. it sound questionable. This is not beer, by the way. This is water. It's liquid death. No, no free ads. So I'm not drinking. I'm just stupid. But anyway, okay. <laughs> uh, yes, I am aware that's NBC's streaming oh, platform um, deal that they got going on there. They uh, do that for sure. Unfortunately, Notre Dame kind of pushed the popularity of that and got a couple of games on there. So yeah, see there you go. See, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, there goes our YouTube ad. Golly. Read that comment, Dylan. I'll let you uh, that one. Boilers and gophers on the cock, you say, is what uh, the Ohio podcast is. Well, that's the Hokies. That's the that's the Virginia Tech mascot. That's the 
Oh, that's yeah. true. The Hokies, yeah. South Carolina Gamecocks. Yeah. I'll be it's honest. It took it took me a second to piece what that meant. <laughs> yeah, Peacock. Yeah, Peacock. Yeah, Peacock Network. That that Peacock must be uh, the the nickname for it the that nickname. I'm not aware of. What the kids call it. Yeah, I saw that. It's <laughs> like what? Yeah. <laughs> uh, Eric, you son of All a right. gun. So uh, yeah, so Minnesota. Um, it'll be the military appreciation game. Um, Luckily, I don't have to worry about the Peacock Network because I'll be going to this game with my dad. Um, so I don't have to worry about all that crap. So, um, but the Gophers finished nine and four last year, um, five and four in the Big Ten, tied for second in the West, part of that three way tie with Illinois and Iowa. Um, Purdue finished out a hard fought 20 to 10 victory, um, thank in, thanks in large part to Maccabees run heard around the world, or at least around the Purdue world. Um, that 68 yard run that he just would not go down, was thrown to yard. the ground. Just one um, more set, Yeah, well, yeah, it set up a two-yard touchdown on the very next play that he got to take in, which I was I was so happy because so often in football, you see that guy that makes that big, long 60, 70-yard run that gets you down to the doorstep, and then they insert another running back in there that just walks in and gets the touchdown. So I'm, I was very happy to see them get him the touchdown that he earned there. Um, but that was uh, that was kind of his, his breakout game. Um, you know, he'd contributed. He obviously had – I think it was 60 or 70 yards and a touchdown against Indiana state, but that was, you know, a lot of guys were getting minutes that they wouldn't normally get and um, getting uh, snaps. They wouldn't normally get, um, but yeah, Minnesota going into that game, it was more thought of as our running back room is going to be a two headed monster with Dylan Downing and Mockaby and Mockaby kind of said, Hey, this is, this is my, this is my spot. So um, luckily going into this year, uh, Mohammed Ibrahim has finally graduated after a 15-year career at Minnesota. Um, he is no longer on the roster. Um, <laughs> they are returning a starting quarterback, um, Ethan Calicamanis. So don't say that too too fast. Ethan nailed it. Calicamanis. No, I actually did. Nailed it. He's a sophomore. Um, he's a little unproven. Um, he obviously had a, I think it was a, a three and two record as a starter. Um, so he got the job done for them, but he had, so they played Syracuse in their bowl game last year. They did beat Syracuse, but any guesses on how many passes he attempted in that game? Frank, I'm going to hand this off to you, pal. Three. See, he, he already knew where I'm going with it. Frank, Frank's too, too smart. He got too big of a brain. He already knows what direction. If you're asking a question, <laughs> he knows that it's a weird answer. But uh, hold, on, hold on. Before you answer, I got it. I love this comment here. <laughs> PJ Fleck looks like he try, uh, tries to sell encyclopedias door to door. And he looks like someone who tries to do that in 2023, too, when no one sells encyclopedias door to door. That's for sure. Son, you look like you need a Britannica in your building. He's yeah. selling those Fleck coins or Fleck bucks, whatever they are. And we also we also have a commented uh, guess, Russ, at, at seven, you know, um, how many um, how many passes he attempted. So, so yeah, that's close. That's close. So it's, it was nine. Nine okay. pass attempts in the entire game. Um, Schrader, the Syracuse running uh, quarterback, not running back. Well, he is their kind of leading running back too this year, but um, he had 51 attempts in that game. So just to show you the disparity and the way that Minnesota likes to play the game, they definitely are all about running the rock um, and trying to control the, the clock and control the game that way, as opposed to trying to light it up in the passing game. However, um, they do return a as of now i believe healthy chris Ottman bell and one of the better tight ends in the conference in the country in brevin span forward so i i do see them trying to throw the ball a little bit more 
um, even though Calicomanis only had one game over 150 yards total. So um, out of, I think, six games that he started, five or six games he started, he did not, he did not throw the ball a whole, whole heck of a lot. Um, their starting running back is likely a Western Michigan transfer, Sean Tyler. Um, he ran for over 1,000 yards the last couple of years, but as we know, you know, transferring from one of those directional mission schools in the Big Ten does not always work out the best. So I don't know how much we need to have to need to worry about him. Um, any thoughts so far on on this matchup? Or well, I think I think when you look at uh, Sean Tyler, um, I think I think you make a really good point. You know, when you look at his numbers and how they compare across different levels of competition, let's say you know. Uh, on the season, he averaged 4.9 yards per carry. He had a respectable 1,022 yards, um, but against Pittsburgh, he had 1.4 yards per carry. Um, now, against Michigan State, he did average 5.2. He had 68 yards uh, on 13 rushing attempts. So, um, but I, w- when you look historically through his numbers, they they're not great against Power Five competition. Let's say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't, I don't have much on their defense either. Um, top returning producer uh, from last year's defense is linebacker Cody Lindenberg. Um, had 71 tackles. But also on defense, their top contributor might be a Western Michigan transfer. Um, linebacker Ryan Selig, um, he's recorded 136 tackles over the last two years. So he might be um, kind of a run stopper, uh, do it all linebacker for them as well, trying to help them hold the middle. So, Yeah, and they've, uh, they, they have – it looks like they're – They've got one, seven guys that are ones or twos uh, that are transfers on the defensive side. Um, so we're bringing in a lot of a lot of transfers, like you know, seemingly every team we talked about. But I want to want to backtrack for one second, just talk about that Maccabee run. Um, you were just in such a groove there. I didn't want to didn't want to stop what you were saying. <laughs> You're good. You're good. Um, well, when we had uh, when we had Devin Maccabee's dad on the podcast, uh, for anyone who hasn't listened, highly recommend going back. Um, you know, we're on uh, Apple. Shout out to Uncle Conrad. Yeah, Conrad, uh, and Uncle Craig, both of them. Yeah, we, so we're, we're gonna tailgate this year a time or two. We're on yeah. Spotify, on Apple Podcasts. You can find us on YouTube, uh, Twitter, Live, um, all these places. A great interview with him. You know, we asked him about that run, and he said that that run was so important because for the first time, it was like Devin was one of the one of the guys, right? Like after that run, you know, he was celebrating, guys were hyped, but it was like he now belongs was sort of his his takeaway from that. And to, just to hear him talk about like what, like because we, we were talking about like, oh, that, that run was so crazy. Like I've watched it 15 times, still can't understand what he did, how he moved this way, that way, juked all these guys. Honestly, was worried he was going to fumble the ball because at the end he was carrying like four guys with him. But like in, in his eyes, that that was his, that was Devin Maccabee's belonging. That was, that was the, the moment in which he became one of the, the guys. So that was just a, a monumental play for the team, but also for him and him as a person. So I just wanted to share that little bit of insight about that, that run as I feel like that's a, some interesting information there. We have a, have a comment here that just came through. Am I the only one that feels like Purdue tries so hard to lose to Minnesota every year when we shouldn't? Um, I, I would say outside of last year, yes. Uh, outside of last, I mean, so um, w- wasn't Minnesota undefeated when we went in, went into Minnesota last season? I believe they were ranked. I don't know about undefeated. I know they were like twenty first. Uh, so I, I I know that like there was all this hype about uh, Minnesota and and people were talking, you know, potential Big Ten champions and you know, Big Ten West champions and and whatnot, and uh, no one really thought we were going to win the game. Uh, but we went in there and we 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 handled them, you know. Yes, they were. They came in four zero. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah. Um, so, uh, so last year it, it, it sort of flipped that script in my opinion, but in previous years, absolutely. I, I would, I would say that it does feel that way. It feels that way about Nebraska too, honestly. Like, like we, we and should, Wisconsin. And, you know, <laughs> I know about it should beat Wisconsin, but yeah, it feels like we always try to find a way to not have a shot in those games. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that's uh, I had to think about that one for a second, but yes, that, that does feel accurate. So Russ, how are you feeling about this game in terms of win loss and margin of victory or loss? Well, I feel a lot better about it being at home. Um, I think that gives us, you know, maybe even close to a touchdown edge. Um, you know, and it, you know, I, I hate to keep giving this answer, but you know, it is one of those things where, you know, every team, you know, look, look at the first, I think, eight games of our schedule. Six of those eight teams have a transfer quarterback that we've never even seen in that uniform. You know, including and including us, that's seven out of nine teams. You know, so it's there's going to be so many variables that we're going to have to get three or four games into the season to, to see what everybody's actually working with. Um, because there are teams that you won't expect to hit the ground running and, and gel well, and they will. And there'll be teams that you'll go, yeah, well, we can see why that didn't work out because they had all these transfers and young guys. So, um, but this is, you know, you talk about programs that are in similar positions as far as the program as a whole. This is a game that we should be favored in and we should be able to edge them out at home. You know, we're, we're, we, we see ourselves in the same class as Minnesota, if not a little bit better. Um, coming off a Big Ten championship game experience, appearance with a lot of guys, you know, yeah, we did graduate and transfer out a lot of guys from that, that team last year, but we also have a lot of returning contributors and we have one of the best quarterbacks in the country in the transfer portal choosing Purdue. Like we should be competitive and, and have the edge in this game. So, Eric coming in with a with a question <laughs> from the Ohio podcast. Do you think we can have a transfer portal podcasters? Come on over, I'll, bud. Yeah, Come yeah, we'll take you, Eric. We'll, we'll yeah. take you in the transfer portal. I'm not going there. <laughs> there ain't no way in hell you're getting me to transfer to Ohio State podcast. They're gonna they're gonna bring up that you're already geographically close to them. So it, it makes sense, sure. Yeah, but no, I'm not doing it. I I'd, I'd rather go to send me down to the Mac. Yeah, Miami, <laughs> like, go to the Red Hawks. Help them back. Ooh, yeah. Go to the, yeah, the Red Hawks are close to like 20 minutes, half an hour from my house. Shoot. I'd rather go. And so, so question on the um, Purdue-Minnesota matchup. I feel like this was a thing definitely in the first couple of games after P.J. Fleck was hired, but I wonder if it still exists in your all's eyes. Does is there is there a personal element to playing against P.J. Fleck? Because, you know, the word on the street was he had basically, you know, said he was going to come to Purdue and then saw Minnesota as a better opportunity that came across his lap on, you know, in the last second and, you know, basically backed out of whatever verbal agreement he had had and thought, you know, he was going to go to Minnesota. And I think the fans kind of took that personally. And so there was this desire to beat PJ Fleck to maybe show him that he made the wrong decision or, or whatnot. Does that still exist? I don't think so. I mean, we're on to our next coach now already. Mm -hmm. You know, I, I think it's, it's on other things. I think that maybe there's just the, the fact that, you know, moving to these divisions, especially since it's been East-West divisions, it's just formed a, a bigger meaning to every game against our Western Conference foes or Western Division foes. So it makes Minnesota mean a little bit more. It makes Wisconsin mean a little bit more. It makes Nebraska mean a little bit more. So I, th I think it's just that aspect. And and there will be the added, you know, hype aspect and the coverage of, of P.J. Fleck and, you know, Minnesota is another one of those teams that's picked ahead of us this year that's hyped up more than us. So 
there's going to be that chip on the shoulder for that. But I, as far as the coaching decision being a being an edge or being a chip on our shoulder, I don't I don't think that exists anymore. I just like having PJ Fleck, Fleck lose. That's my favorite. See, PJ Fleck is one of those coaches that I don't want him coaching my team, but I like having him in the conference because he's slightly entertaining. For all the wrong reasons, he's entertaining. But yeah, he's one of those guys. You know, you don't want him as your head coach, but you like having him to watch on the sideline. So anybody got any more on the football games to this point? So let's see. We're, uh, what, 10 games into the season now? Um, what do you guys think uh, record-wise? What do you guys think we're sitting at, or what would you like us to sit at? What do you all think? I mean, if we got six wins, I'll be happy. You know, if we – if we can be bowl eligible, that would be fantastic. That's all I ask. So, so um, Nick Burris says now Flex gone from an encyclopedia salesman to a <laughs> snake oil salesman. He's an annoying little brother. Yeah, well, well he put. does. Yeah, as a little brother, from I, I could see he does make the annoying little brother outfit. He does do, do that well. Wait, careful! If you say little brother, IU fans are going to get a little upset. I just yeah. uh, one uh, what's his name from the LEO podcast said that today, and I was like, and I sent the stat. If we're talking football, I sent him the the history, and it's like Purdue. Purdue, Purdue the Purdue. basketball history is pretty slanted towards Purdue too, but they, I, they both are. But you yeah. know, then we got banners, whatever. Take that's what that's what their beer tastes like. Really, it's dusty old banners, dusty old moldy old asbestos filled banners. Yeah, <laughs> one of my favorite uh, PJ Fleck stories is uh, when we had Markel Jones on here. Again, if you haven't watched it, go back, check it out. He's been on <laughs> twice. Fantastic guy to listen to, um, you know, yeah. talk about his time at Purdue. Uh, but he, he talked about being recruited by P.J. Fleck. At, he was a Western Michigan or Eastern Michigan. I always Western. get the two schools mixed up. Western, I, I yeah. Broncos. Yeah. Uh, but it said it's like he was his. he wanted to show you how much money he had by in like every aspect. So it was just this, um, you know, he he had like the super expensive belt on, the super expensive watch, super expensive car, and that's just a quality that I just don't like in a person. So it sounds like uh, Coach Prime, who I, I I don't mind Coach Prime, but like the way he's wearing those cowboy hats and the expensive shirts, and it's like, all right, man, let's tone it down a little bit. Nick Burris, IU big baseball school. Who cares? I didn't know they played. <laughs> hey. So um, I didn't even that, draw that connection that Fleck is from Western Michigan and they've got that recruiting pipeline there for the transfer portal. You know, the big running back transfer from Western Michigan, linebacker transfer from Western Michigan. Interesting. Big, Interesting. big Mac powerhouse. <laughs> so, um, uh, Dylan, I don't know about you, but I did not buy the the pass to see the Europe games for the basketball team. Um, no, I didn't. But I, I know our Frank, our buddy Frank did. Um, all yes, the lines, did. All the did, lines so. on the court were giving me headaches. <laughs> yeah, which, um, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you guys want to watch it, let me know. I'll I'll, I'll shoot you my login. Um, there you go. Cool. Yeah. Uh, it. Um, so, like, before we start, like, addressing Purdue's performance in Europe, I think it's important to point out that we did not have Zach Eady. We did not have Ethan Morton playing with a different ball, which we saw last year actually really matters a whole lot. Shout out Cobra Stats on that pretty cool analysis he did on that. Um, and I'm pretty sure we're uh, dealing with a different rim height as well. Um, so, uh, I, I think the rim is a slightly different height than it is in the U S uh, in European rules. So I remember painter saying, uh, at one point last time Purdue went to Europe that you can really see who can shoot and who just has muscle memory built in when you give them a different ball and they're shooting in a different height rim. 
Ooh, that's you can cool. really you can really see who is actually a good shooter and who's just developed muscle memory, and then you can address that. And that's one of the benefits he saw to playing playing in Europe. But kind of the big takeaways: Trey Kaufman Wren looks elite. Um, that being said, he he missed a lot of easy shots. Um, so he did he did score seventy two points. Um, yeah, and just across all four games, which is impressive. Um, he scored seventy two points on fifty seven shots, though. Um, you know, he missed a lot of easy shots at the rim. Uh, and I think I'm going to attribute that to playing with a different ball, playing on a different, you know, different size rim, different height rim, whatnot. Um, you know, I'm not too concerned about that. Uh, another guy that stood out to me was Brian Waddell. Um, not really sure what happened to him since we saw him last, but uh, I want some some of whatever he's consuming because he literally looks like he's put on about 30 pounds of muscle. Um, he's quicker, he, he's faster. He's, uh, he's got, he's got more pop. I mean, he, he threw down some dunks with authority. He did dunk once last year against Duke. Um, and to say it wasn't pretty is putting it nicely. I mean, he went up and he threw it down, but he, he dunked like I could on a good day on a fully healthy, uh, ankle. Um, but yeah, he, he just looks really, really good. He's, he's moving up and down the floor quickly. He's playing really good defense. So, you know, a lot of people are talking about what is, what is the three, position what's the two position look like for us this season and he's really a guy that's been kind of left out of the mix and i think he may you know earn his earn his way into the mix there definitely um you know probably the biggest jump from last season i thought was uh, that title was held by Braden. uh you know he only averaged seven seven point eight points per game uh but ten and a half assists like that's i mean he he will go down as a purdue legend if he averages that on a season you know um, assist to turnover ratio of six. So let's see what were the actual numbers here uh, for Braden. So I just want to while you pause real quick too. He also had one game with zero points. So to average seven point eight points and go one game scoreless, not bad. Yeah, not bad at all. Yeah, so he had 42, um, 42 assists to seven turnovers, and it's not just the the assists. I mean, so. To throw that is not all assists are created equal. It's effectively what I'm getting at here. To throw the ball into Zach Eady and let him turn around and, and score when he's one on one, like that almost shouldn't count as an assist. But to make crazy pocket passes through hard hedges to find wide open Trey Kaufman ran wide open Caleb first standing out of the basket for a dunk like he was doing consistently, that's impressive. Like in my opinion, he wasn't making those passes as often last season. And his pick and roll reads seem to be on another level. Like, so uh, Purdue's looking to score a lot more in transition. It seems uh, like we're, we're looking to try to get, you know, before the defense is set, get down the floor quickly. And I think we have the roster that to play that way a little bit more. But here's an interesting stat. Once I was able to find the box score. Um, in Europe, Purdue averaged 76.2 possessions per game. Does anyone know... Um, does anyone know what Purdue averaged last season in terms of possessions per game? So in Europe, 76.2. What did we average last season? All you, Russ. <laughs> um, I'm going to say less than 60. Uh, 60 64.2. That was my guess, too. Damn. <laughs> That's why pace really matters in college basketball because so you can you can start to compare well how many points per game does this guy average on team A versus how many points per game does this guy average on team team B. Well, team A and B you know could be 10, 12 possessions per game difference in pace, 
So you can't really compare the points per game fairly, at least. Well, but Edie only scored so many points because he plays so many minutes, and he's so tall. He's just tall. <laughs> Look at these, these jerks. <laughs> well, welcome to our world, Eric. <laughs> welcome to our world. Our podcast commented, you guys are speaking a foreign language. We don't know what this thing called basketball is that you're speaking of. <laughs> now, what a, now what a I will give you that that Frank's big brain um, definitely, definitely talks about some things that has us start to go cross-eyed. But, uh, yeah, he's uh, he knows what he's talking about. He knows what he's talking about. Well, another thing I saw from Purdue is that there seemed to be a higher – so Purdue has played some you know, middle defensive scheme um, in the last couple of years. seemed to be happening at a higher frequency. Um, so for anyone who doesn't know what no middle is, um, it's basically a, you're, what it sounds like. You don't want to get the ball to the middle, so you're playing with your uh, – apparently Russ found that funny. <laughs> hey. No, you said <laughs> – for anybody that doesn't know what that is, Dylan's like – <laughs> okay yeah i didn't see that yeah, so, yeah. you're uh, speaking um, to yeah. me that's when when you say what what it is you're like okay let me know because i have no idea but if, if you think about a team trying to set a side ball screen or a ball screen on the wing let's say um you you position yourself with your feet toward the sideline and the ball handler's defender would not let the ball handler take that screen it's a technique known as icing or as painter calls it downing so you can hear it uh, you can hear it a lot you know down 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 he's telling guys hey get in between Get in between your your man and and the screener, and don't let them take that screen and force them to the baseline. And that accomplishes a couple of things. One, it, it really takes away the action that the team's trying to execute. Two, uh, it allows your guys on the opposite side to sag into the paint a little bit more and help early. Because if you think about the ball being pinned to one side, if you want to skip it over to an open shooter, that's a long pass, and then guys have enough time to close out at that point or try to intercept the pass. So it takes it takes a lot of discipline. It takes uh, really athletic players and it takes really smart players. And I think that uh, it's kind of prevailing as the best defensive scheme to play in college basketball right now. So I think we're going to see a little bit more of that. That little um, bit you just pulled was incredible. I mean, that was, yeah. that was a great work. Yeah. Matt, Matt, Coach yeah. Paint, if you're watching, uh, which we know you are. He's a master. Uh, so if you don't hire Frank in like the next like year, the hell are you doing? Get this guy on your staff. Well, wait, we, but he, I mean, he raises the whole pods IQ by like 15 points. But like, let's make it to where he he coaches at Purdue, but also still stays on the podcast because he kind there of drives the ship a lot of just, the time. Just, we can't afford to to do that. Yeah. So I did look up dimensions of the European game, the FIBA game, a little bit. Um, the the rim does look like it's the same height, but you know, if you think those lines were confusing, the dimensions of the court were actually different than what we play on here as well. So imagine having all those lines. And then where you're looking for those lines to be at, are, they aren't going to be there either. <laughs> so um, that that might be kind of what he's talking about a little bit, because like the three-point line is a different area. The, the court dimension itself is a different um, dimension. I know the lane itself is different. So, yeah, you can't, you can't just spot it behind the three-point line and have muscle memory because you're a different distance and a different spot from the basket. So Nick here is 110% correct. Uh, I kill it. For anyone who's not watching, we have a comment. Dylan looks like he dominates pool, basketball, and beer. See – Oh, is it pool? I thought it was pool basketball, like when you play basketball in a swimming pool. Oh, that's because what I was thinking, too. I, I love that, that. That I kill yeah. because I have the knees of an 80-year-old. We're talking torn ACL. We're talking all the – my knees are terrible. So when you put me in a pool and you give me a hoop and a ball, buddy, I'm LeBron James. Like I said earlier today, Dylan, you're the, you're the youngest old guy I know, man. <laughs> I'm wise beyond my years, Russ. That's what that is. I do. I give Russ a lot of shit for being old, even though he's not even the oldest on the podcast. But there's been a lot of times where I've done some old people shit, and Russ is like, hey, hey, who's old now, bud? 
like on a daily basis like, on a daily like basis. at least once an hour yeah hey who like uh i think damon was behind the the tweet from the podcast account i tweeted i need to get my life together and it was 101 texts and 24,000 emails or whatever and he's like those 100 texts are just us reminding dylan when the podcast is <laughs> he's dunking so, yeah pull this comment up this is it <laughs> we we need to make sure our next Airbnb me for our our next road trip for uh, a road game for the pod road trip. We need to get an Airbnb with a pool and a pool basketball goal, I will. because we actually played well, when I was in high school. Our, our soccer team of all the teams we played a game called Jungle Ball, um, which was pool basketball with no rules other than get the ball through the hoop. Oh hell! And yeah. If you got if you got dunked under the water, you had to let go of the basketball. <laughs> so it was it was some. I mean, you want to talk about some like. Some claw marks, some bruises, some like, yeah, like Dude, dudes getting count me Oh yeah, in. like it was, it was, it was brutal. But I loved it. I was all there. I was there got a it. comment here saying he's dunking on nephews and calling cherry picking. Uh, <laughs> I don't know who Nick is, but I guy. like him. I like he's him. that guy. Nick's Nick's a good guy. Good I guy. like Nick a lot. Well, a, f- a few other interesting stats. Uh, and these aren't mine. Got these on Twitter from Cobra Stats. Again, great follow. If you're not following Cobra Stats, do it. Uh, some fascinating things that, that he churns out. Um, Smith, Lawyer, Jones combined. So basically our our backcourt, uh, 67 assists, 13 turnovers. That's good. Like those are numbers you want to definitely want to see from them. When you, uh, when you combine Colvin, Heidi, Waddell, they went a combined 15 for 25 from three, 60%. Really impressive there. TKR, Gillis, Berg, and First uh, combined 66% on two-point shots. Just interesting. There's, interesting there's one more guy that you there. mentioned before we came on on live too that I, uh, I want to hear your thoughts on, and that's the the transfer of the team this yeah. year, Nick Jones. Yeah, his uh, so his his I think he's going to add a lot more to the team than what uh, people originally thought. So he is a he is a menace on defense. Like he's that guy who's just getting up in your face, making life miserable for you. Um, so that that's kind of what he offers on the defensive end. He really has that like kind of pick your pocket, steal it when you're not paying attention uh, ability. Uh, and he's fast, he's quick, he can get to the rim. And not only that, he can find the guys in transition uh, to, you know, to score quickly and easily. Um, his shot is better than, you know, what his numbers would indicate uh, from what we've seen so far. What were, let's see, what did he finish at? So he finished two for thirteen from three, um, but he, a lot of his a lot of his shots were at the rim. He was taking it, um, you know, from the outside, driving in and scoring easily. Um, so I think his athleticism, I think his defense, and I think his IQ uh, and experience is really going to uh, solidify a good like fifteen to eighteen minutes per game for him. Uh, he he really really impressed me. There, there wasn't a, really a single player who didn't impress me to be honest. Like it's. I don't know how you even go about deciding who starts or who plays in what scenario or whatnot. Again, this is a team that didn't have Ethan Morton, who, um, you know, was kind of the the floor general, in my opinion, at least. So just the fact that we were able to, you know, to go in and play these teams who aren't, you know, cupcakes, by the way. These are very talented, very skilled teams that we played, uh, maybe with the exception of one. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe with the exception of one, for sure. Uh, but you know, these are, these are really good teams. I think it was extremely beneficial to, you know, see how the team looks without Zach Eady. Um, so extremely pumped for the season, really excited to see, uh, what, what's going to happen, especially when, you know, Zach Eady's on the bench. Um, yeah, that's, that's what I got on the main takeaways there. Yeah. That that third game was actually, uh, was Dylan's dream game because it really was pretty much boilers by a billion. So 
Yeah. Almost, yeah. almost, almost. It was it like 38 to five in the first quarter or something. And mo- most of that was defense too. Like we were hitting shots, but we were playing really good defense. And that team just, you know, I think I said it before we got on here, that team kind of looks like a, like a YMCA pickup. Squad. Yeah. It was like they played two games against competitive teams. And then they said, Hey, where's the local YMCA? Get somebody set up the camera. And they, then they went and played a competitive game. Imagine that halftime talk they had. Like that coach was like, guys, we're all we're there. We're right there with them. Yeah. They, they right thought there. they showed up for pool basketball in here. <laughs> they... <laughs> well, no, you know, I was watching that game and I'm like, do they do they believe they can win? Like when they're down 60, you know, do they believe they I can believe actually win? win. Uh, that's, <laughs> they just, they, that guy must do. be a better cult leader than PJ Fleck. Whoever's coaching that team to keep them from showing up the second half. I mean, shoot. There was they must a, have a lot of Fleck coins or something. <laughs> There was a lack of, uh, I'll say, pep in their step. They they didn't play with a lot of energy. Um, it was almost just like they, like you, something you'd see at the YMCA. Honestly, is the best way to describe it. They just they weren't moving very quick. They they weren't playing very hard. It was just like you know they learned to play basketball like six months ago. It just yeah. <laughs> they just, just found out what basketball was. Very very basic. We're offense. gonna play this team called Purdue. Like, yeah, they play they played a lot of hockey and baseball, and they heard that Edie guy went from playing hockey and baseball <laughs> to basketball. So they thought we if he can do it, anybody we, can. We're just we, not seven foot a million. Well, you guys got anything else from the week or from anything we might have missed from those football matchups? QB oh, or, QB commits. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, go ahead, Frank. What's his name? <laughs> Sawyer. <laughs> Sawyer. We got this big commit. <laughs> Sawyer Anderson. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I, I knew his first name. Yeah. So we got um, another you know, Texas a, quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Another Texas quarterback. So we've got Hudson Card from Texas. Um, I forget the name of the guy who's committed for next season. Davila. Yeah, uh, Davia, I think. Davia, I think. Yeah, that was a very Midwest way to pronounce it. You talking about Davila? Davila. Davila. <laughs> Sawyer Anderson, twenty twenty five recruit, um, has a stacked list of offers, like an absolutely stacked list of list of offers. Arkansas, Miami, Minnesota, Mississippi State, Missouri, NC State, North Carolina, Oklahoma State, Ole Miss, SMU, TCU, Texas Tech. I wonder what he didn't like about Fleck. Yeah, and it was nice little touch by by Walters and Coach Harold to have that little video with uh, some rush Tom Sawyer playing. Pretty, and them cool. uh, them shooting the arrow that in letting oh, it go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I, I love I love the fact that Walters is like tweeting things like that, like when he knows a guy's going to commit and that he's you know he's putting out his own bat signals. He's the best. So, something we definitely didn't see from any of our previous coaches wins or sure. losses hey, like that guy did a topless top gun video so he's got some swagger himself you know <laughs> I, yeah yeah i don't it's so hard to not laugh right now uh, thinking about that <laughs> whoever's idea that was and like i've showed that video to like extreme diehard louisville fans and they're like what is this like, it, like no one Didn't, enjoys that damon uh put it was like a week after they released that video that they were looking for a new social media coordinator or something. So they maybe were. that guy got fired. Yeah, yeah. Whoever's idea it was to have a shirtless Brom throwing, you know, throwing. I'm surprised he did it. That seems like the last thing he would have done. Well, um, so the last announcement I want to make too is I want to bring up our face football league. So if you guys uh, enjoy listening to us talk some talk some crap to each other and uh, just kind of you know go back and forth a little bit, get in there and. Um, you know, give us a message on, on X, um, 
it's you Twitter. know, or, or shoot one of us personally a message and uh, we'll get you in there. We're still working on what the, the prize is going to be, whether it's going to be maybe a blitz board or um, NIL t-shirt from the NIL store. Um, but we'll, we're going to get something in there. There's, or there's Russ's autograph. If nothing else, yeah, there you go. If nothing else, you know, just bragging rights on being smarter than than big brain big brain Frank over there. Which I mean, I don't think anybody is, but I mean, there's definitely people smarter than me. But Frank, no way, no way. Uh, one thing, uh, one thing we haven't mentioned tonight uh, is uh, our affiliation with Big Banter. Don't know how that slipped through the cracks. Um, so that's yeah, on uh, the top of the screen. Yeah, so it. it's been uh, <laughs> it's, it's been a few months now of uh, being a part of uh, Big Banter Sports. Uh, fa- fantastic organization to be a part of. Uh, Which the Ohio yeah. podcast you've seen in the comments. They're also a partners, a partner of ours with Big Banter. We're all under the uh, Banter Brotherhood. Yeah, so definitely uh, as uh, as things get closer and and you know we the season starts to unfold, uh, look for some uh, collaborative podcasts uh, with some of the other Big Ten podcasts. Uh, really can't wait for those. Can't oh, wait, wait till see. we get to IU. Oh. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there, we have some Big Ten matchups week one that they're already working on getting those those collaborations together. So Damon um, and I already went on the Ohio podcast. Great time, had a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, we kept it off the rails like we normally do. They really. We kind—I of, think we kind of surprised Derek with how like off-topic we can get because Dave and I took care of that. We we showed them how we do it here at Boiler Express, real messed up. And so, what was the uh, what was the like kind of dynamic? Like, was it uh, was it hostile? Was it fun? What, what? No, no. So at first, I you know, being a guy that's historically talked terrible things about Ohio State, I thought they would have hated me. But no, I love those guys. They're the best. I, I can tell you, I know two great Ohio State guys and it's those guys they're the best it's a lot of fun there's really they're really good at what they do they have ads i mean they have commercials i mean they do it big over there so uh no they're great dudes love them real excited how the others are going to roll out to this football it's season. at this point dylan like to enter his name in the podcast transfer portal. no i'm not going to ohio state <laughs> i i would go anywhere i wouldn't go anywhere i'm staying right here but listen the ohio state yeah hey, you know, there's a good one hey eric if you you want to if you don't want to do the transfer portal for the podcast at least get in the league with us and you know Show us yeah, what's up Eric. Here. What do you if you, if you're still? I'm gonna text and DM him and tell him to get on the fantasy football. What are we doing? There you go. Well, thank you all for tuning in. I know we're uh, what hour and thirteen, hour and fourteen minutes. So. If you've made it to the end of the podcast, use the hashtag Russ is old, and I'll Venmo you. I don't know five bucks. <laughs> five big ones. Oh, Nick said he's in the fantasy league. Got to get him in. Hey, there you go. All right, we all have a good night. Appreciate y'all joining us. Boiler up, hammer down.